Welcome, guys, to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. With me, as usual, I have uh, my two friends, and uh, we're starting off with welcoming uh, both of them. First of all, we have Ray from Man City Fan Chat. How are you, Ray? I'm very well, very tired. I had a, fl- a flying visit to Manchester. I'd come up on Friday. I've got to go back tomorrow morning because um, I was working at a castle today, Elberston Castle, in, I think in Derbyshire. So I had a cup working yesterday and today at a festival or an event that they have there so long days um, uh, I just can't wait to get to my bed to be honest <laughs> <laughs> well we're going to keep you for one hour from your bed we'll try to make this uh, not uh, not a, a huge deal uh, yeah. and uh, we've also got with us of course as usual our City Matters man and King of the Kipax writer Colin Savage and I believe Colin has just finished his latest uh, article for the King of the Kipax tell us about that and, and first of all welcome Colin how are you? yeah well uh, like Ray I'm looking forward to my bed because um, I was up till about uh, I did about two hours work on King of the Kipax article last night till about midnight I've been drinking coke and coffee so it was probably about 3am before I managed to get to sleep uh, and then I was doing another I don't know four or five hours on it today so uh, yeah 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 I was just I was a bit uh, kind of zombie like when I finally kind of sat down about three four o'clock and relaxed. Yeah drinking coke and coffee that's going to ensure a, a very healthy night's sleep I think. It's not, it's not something <laughs> usually do either so it's not as I'm used to it and uh, Colin um, without giving away too much uh, detail let's uh, put a little plug out and uh, you know excite uh, future readers of the next issue of King of the Kipax it gives a little insight into what you've been writing about without um, spoiling it spoiling it too much what's the uh, what's the latest uh, Colin on the um, on the European thing um, well, well, nothing really. Just yeah. that we've um, appealed to the court for arbitration in sport. Uh, normally, it's interesting because normally we won't be able to do that until the um, UEFA's adjudicatory chamber had handed down a final decision. Because normally you can only appeal after a final decision has been made. So it's quite unusual to appeal in the middle of the process. But I think um, my reading of it is that City um, feel that the process hasn't been followed. So, uh, and that's generally what casts rule on. Not, not that people think they rule on points of law. They don't. It's points of procedure, effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, obviously, no updates there because that was what we knew several weeks ago, wasn't it? Yeah. So, there's nothing's changed. But the interesting thing for me is that um, Cas haven't actually said, "Well, no, we're not hearing it." So, they're, they're obviously still thinking about it. It's not listed for a hearing up to October, as far as I'm aware. So, um, yeah, still, still ongoing, I guess. 
Does that mean that does that mean that the poor Arsenal fans who were hoping that City would be banned this season so they could get in the Champions League <laughs> will finally accept that they've got, first of all they don't deserve to be there and second of all they're not going to be there. No, no, we are going to whatever happens. I've always said this: we wouldn't be banned for this coming season. Yeah. Any ban would take any ban, and, and I don't think we'll get one. No. We'll, we'll take effect. Would we'll, we'll take effect next season, 20, 2021. There's a couple of interesting things that I just wanted to mention out there. Obviously, Carl Heinz Rummenigge. I've not read all his. Uh, comments about Pep. Uh, he's come out apparently and said uh, Pep doesn't know everything that goes on within his club. But I've not read any, any of the comments. I only saw the headline because I've been out all day. And the other one, which I find laughable, I just want you to hopefully confirm it's laughable, that a few of the newspapers have said that uh, if City want to buy Harry Maguire for £80 million, we have to sell Otamendi and Mangala to meet FFP. The, the, there was a story that UEFA were talking about bringing in a €100 million Euro net spend constraint. Yeah. I'm not aware they brought that in. It's not. I don't think so yet. But I mean, we'd have to sell, if we were going to bring in, well, Maguire or anyone, we have to sell someone because even without Mangala, we've got 17 foreign players, as we said the other day. So yeah. um, anyone it's one in one out which no but you Maguire Maguire's not a foreign player oh no no, no Maguire sorry Maguire we could bring in yeah yeah. because I'm not just doing a live stream my basic point is telling people if we, we're making profits okay we're making profits anyway and FF on FFP terms would make even slightly higher numbers I suspect because yeah. there's a few things we can put back but let's just assume we're break even let's just assume we break even um, if we want to buy new players we have to include the amortization and the wages and we need to make sure we're getting in very simple simple layman terms make sure we're getting new income to cover the new expenditure so I argue if we bought Rodri we paid 60 million quid roughly five year contract amortization 12 million I don't think he's on more than 100 grand a week I'd be shocked yeah. if he is say 5 million yeah so you're looking at he's about 17 Angelino the rumours are we paid 5 million quid for him he will not be on anywhere near 100 grand a week no, no. but I'll call I'll call him 2 million a year that's up to 19 and if we got Maguire Maguire would cost us about 26 in terms of amortisation and salary that, that to my books is about 45 million quid well the Puma deal on its own yeah. is worth an extra 45 to 50 million quid to City and a few million to other clubs in the City football group so the Puma deal on its own that new money covers that yeah 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 exactly that. which, is why, which get... is why this net spend thing is absolute nonsense because it doesn't take into account well it, you know I've always argued net spend is nonsense anyway as yeah. a measure because it doesn't take into account wages and amortisation which is your true player cost and yeah. that's also a uh, that's also affected by the players who go out, of course. So mm-hmm. when we bought uh, two two seasons ago, when we bought Walker, when we bought Mendy, yeah. we lost about 17 players off wage bill in various ways. And that alone, the saving in wages alone, and he paid for those players. Yeah. Effectively paid the amortisation of wages for those players. So uh, that's why net spend was stupid. Yeah. I mean, I mean la- last season, our net spend was, was decent. When we sold so many, in fact, it helped us a lot on our, on our, I guess, on our PL because we were selling people like Angus Dunn and whatever we sold him for between 12 and 15 million was a profit. We, was it last season we sold any two now for 12 million euros? We, uh, we sold Joe Hart, Mafio and Angelino and, and all that. I, and I looked at all the players that had gone and it, I'm, I'm sure it came to nearly 50 players. We'd let a lot of kids go either on, yeah, re- yeah. release them or, or on undisclosed and we got about between 45 and 50 million quid coming in and most of that 
was going to be pure profit. The only one, they're all young players, Angus Gorn, Ennis Yunal, Mafio, Angelino, and, and a few others. And the only old player was um, Joe Hart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we sold um, Sancho and Diaz. And I reckon, as, as a minimum, we should be looking at 30 million profit on sale for. No, so Sancho and Diaz were last Sancho summer. Sancho last year. Diaz will be this year. So that Diaz will be this January. year. So we're looking at probably 30 million, maybe 25 to 30 million profit on sale to start with. Yeah. Plus the humor deal. We will get about 30 million more from the Champions League because the way they rejig the payments. Yeah. So, yeah, it's nonsense. You know, it, it, it's we, we can easily cover that. Uh, I was speaking to Dave Wallace, the editor, um, last weekend, and he said, Oh, I've got, I've nearly got a full edition. He said, Are you planning to do anything? I said, Well, if you've nearly got a full edition, I'll, I'll skip it because the stuff I've got is not particularly, there's no update on uh, UEFA or any of the uh, uh, investigations we're supposed to be under and whatever. Uh, and then he, but he did ask me for something on away tickets and um, I'd forgotten about, I hadn't written um, about the Court for Arbitration in Sport um, appeal. So uh, I, I quickly decided to dash something off. But he said, you don't need to do, I normally do about 4,000 words. So uh, I did about 2,500 this time. And uh, But if I can put in a plug, people talk, ask me about King of the Kidbacks. And mainly it's a magazine, but you can get it on Kindle. So for anyone who's um, not in the UK, may find it easier to download it on Kindle, which I think you pay £3 a copy for, which is what you pay here. Um, but but you can get it. A few people in the States have asked me. So so it's quite easy to get it on Kindle. And of course, King of the Kipax is not an official city magazine. It's written, um, to use the tagline, by the fans for the fans. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, it, it's our individual thoughts as fans and uh, um, you know, game, uh, game reports and all sorts of interesting and um, humorous and serious stuff. Yeah, it is. And uh, Ray, just on the subject of that uh, topic, it seems that most uh, City fans have pretty much, uh, from what I've been hearing anyway, we all know that there's not going to be any transfer ban uh, for this upcoming season, but a lot of people have taken it for granted that uh, it could well have one and be in the same position as as, as Chelsea uh, next season, the season after this one. Is that your sort of understanding as well, that that's um, almost... It, some people are presenting it as a foregone conclusion. I'm not yeah, sure it's quite that simple, but... Nothing in life is a foregone conclusion, except that it's going to be Liverpool year again this year. That's the only thing. <laughs> death, taxes, and it's Liverpool Only three year. things in life are certain. Death, taxes, and it's going to be Liverpool year, Liverpool yeah. Liverpool year. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's certainly not a foregone conclusion. First of all, you know, have we, uh, Colin can tell me if I'm wrong. Have we? I don't think we've actually been in, uh, charged with anything. We're just under investigation. Now, we might be charged. Let's wait and, let's wait and see if we're charged, if we're found guilty, if we have an appeal. There's a long process to go through, uh, uh, you know, in, in this, and which I think could quite easily take several more months. So I'm not worried about it at all. I mean, and I also think if we were really, really, if the club were concerned about a FIFA ban on a transfer ban, then one or two things. One, they either think we've got enough good players as, as it is, we could get by, and I'd pro- probably agree with them. And two, if they, were, if they were worried that we didn't have enough good players, they'd probably buy a couple of players and loan them back to their clubs for the season, so they're at least on our books if we got a transfer ban. Uh, same as Chelsea got with was that Pulisic. So they got him in January, uh, loaned him back uh, to his club, and uh, transfer ban hits, but he's still on their books, so they can effectively get a new signing. So if we were worried 
I would have expected to see um, a lot more activity in the transfer market this summer, uh, getting players for next summer in, 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 if they were thinking of a transfer ban. So I think the hierarchy, as I said, either think there's not going to be a transfer ban or we can get by. The interesting thing for me is that uh, the story is that um, FIFA were investigating far fewer cases in our case than they were for Chelsea. I think we were, they were looking at nine transfers yeah, nine. rather than Chelsea had something like 20 something or 30. I, don't I know think what. Chelsea had a lot more. Chelsea had a, a lot, lot more. They were yeah. found guilty of about 20 something. And the other thing is the FA were also found guilty. Now, yeah. to me, that suggests that, that We've taken us and uh, we and Chelsea have taken guidance from the FA, or the FA have rubber stamped what we've done, uh, and FIFA have found fault with that. So the, the possibility exists, uh, and I don't know whether I'm clutching at straws here. That we've acted, we and, and Chelsea have potentially acted in good faith on the advice of the FA, and the FA have misinterpreted. And, it, and it's interesting this hasn't come through yet because um, uh, obviously Chelsea have appealed. The ban's in place, but Chelsea have appealed, and, and I wonder if. Uh, um, FIFA are waiting to see what the outcome of that is um, before they pronounce sentence on us because um, I can't yeah, see any, any other reason any particular reason for the delay but but we'll wait and see mm-hmm. wait and see we will have to do well guys there was uh, another game there has been another game uh, for us to talk about the Asia Trophy final City 0 Wolves 0 decided by a penalty shootout uh, guys I suppose this was another reminder of why we don't have to uh, read too much into the results uh, of these pre-season friendlies as Colin suggested in the last pod we've had some crazy results I've just been checking out on I think it was Spurs beating Juventus 3-2 with a with a with a David Beckham-esque uh, last minute goal from uh, Harry Kane we've also seen Liverpool beaten 3-2 by Dortmund and uh, e- equally equally surprising uh, just for a laugh of course is uh, United uh, beating uh, Inter Milan with a goal from one of their uh, academy uh, graduates it was an interesting game the first half more so than the second half, Ray. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got to be honest. Normally, I watch a game from start to finish, but I had to watch the highlights because I was working uh, yesterday. I was trying to just keep up um, to date with it on the City uh, app uh, as to what was going on with the with the game. And from the highlights I saw, we were all over Wolves. We had so many opportunities. Chan- good chances as well. Uh, I saw some unbelievable play from uh, some of our stars like Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I saw this gif uh, on Twitter of a, a, his contr- uh, control and a pass. Yeah, I think he flicked it up and then volleyed it. That's right. And I, I must have watched that a hundred times because it's 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 as good the hundredth time you watch it as it is the first. Because um, you just can't believe it. I just can't, I still can't believe it. And 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 actually, Kevin's performances at, at the end of last season. And, and what he's doing now I'm actually drooling for the start of the season I, I'm just begging I really am begging that and praying that this guy stays fit this season because a lot of City fans seem to feel that he's going to if he stays fit he's going to produce a season like no other you know and Pep seems to feel confident as well if you listen to some of his press conferences about Kevin Um you know he's probably right now that you know, he had played last season, um, and he's right now the guy I'm really looking forward to see play next season. Other players put, I think, decent performances from the highlights I saw. You know, we we had five, as I said, five or six good chances. Um, it looked decent. You know, Wolves are a very tough team. They're not going to let anybody beat them easily. They don't let many goals in. They don't score too many. And I think if they can uh, turn that round, that could make them a, a very uh, serious proposition for the top six. But yeah, I think 
they're going to give everybody a tough game next season, City included. The result, result doesn't matter. You know, if we'd won, we'd have jumped up and down a little bit. Not much. It's the same way Liverpool losing. The result doesn't matter. We can smile about it and smirk about it. But at the end of the day, these pre-season games mean nothing. It's just a fitness. And Pep, I think Pep said, you know, uh, the players are tired. They're not, uh, they got jet lagged thanks to uh, our friends at Thomas Cook. We arrived two days late. So the players are struggling. And it's actually not a great physical state to be in. And some of them maybe mental. They're tired. They can't train. Um, I'm hopeful that in the next few days we can get proper pre-season uh, underway um, before our game against Kitchi and then against Yokohama Mariners and then um, come back to the to England and, and get ready for, for Liverpool in the Community Shield. Yeah, there was that quotation from Pep and uh, just to quote him verbatim, he said, we're trying to sleep during the, during the night. Uh, we want to survive. We've got incredible jet lag. We can't train. We need to keep energy uh, for the, the, the match day. And uh, uh, Colin, I don't know if you noticed, but that pitch was an absolute nightmare and, and, and that was particularly, uh, particularly prominent uh, when they were taking the penalties because they basically had to run a tractor over that penalty spot after each one. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, had, had the other game taken place on that pitch immediately beforehand? I didn't see the other game, but was it, was it played on the same pitch? It was, wasn't it? But um, the pitch, was whether it was or it wasn't, the pitch wasn't in a great state, but uh, no, um, it, it was very much a game of two halves. The first half, we started with quite a strong lineup, uh, and certainly the midfield um, and the defence did an excellent job because we were it was just one way traffic for 40, pretty well 45 minutes. Um, the downside was that Sterling and Sane weren't quite at the races for that game. Uh, Sterling obviously missed a penalty. He also missed another decent, at least one other decent chance. Sane occasionally looked quite bright, but there was a few times when he didn't pick up a, a pass played by Benabe and he just stood there when the pass went to where he should have been. And uh, uh, so, so it was a little, and a couple of times he got the ball and, and just kind of lost it, ran into trouble. So, so it, the, the first half was was a decent workout, but let down, I think, by Sane and Sterling to a to, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, as Ray said, Kevin De Bruyne was superb, uh, and the two youngsters, uh, Pavedo Campo and uh, Bernabe, also looked uh, pretty good. The second half was a completely different kettle of fish because um, I, I just looked, kind of lost interest because uh, Wol- hey, Wolves came back into it. Uh, Wolves had a quite a strong side out in, in the first half as well, so it was a good test. Uh, the second half was one of those where people get substituted every five minutes and the whole rhythm of the game went and, and we really uh, we really didn't create all that much that I recall in the second half uh, but although there was one fantastic free kick from um, David Silva oh yeah that was that was that was going right in wasn't it yeah, and Rui Patricio really did well to, uh, to to get a hand to that but that was the only um, that was the only I think moment of note real note that I remember from that second half but it kind of just petered out and neither side looked like they were ever going to score and uh, we put in a bit, bit of a spur the last couple of minutes but uh, it went to penalties and, and to be honest most of the penalties apart from um, Alex Garcia who, who who put in a decent penalty Danilo scored but it was one of those ones like Aguero in the Carabao Cup final where the goalkeeper got a hand to it but he just went under or past his hand so um, most of the penalties were, were woeful and um, you know but as I say you know I, I do wonder why they go to these distances for pre-season I know it's for commercial reasons and, and I think we said on the last part it would look fantastic to see the number of people in city shirts in the crowd because it was seemed to be quite a big crowd so we, yeah. we're always making a huge impact uh, and it does help but um, I do kind of it does worry me that they go off to somewhere like China what we're talking about 10-11 hours flying um, 
and and probably quite long distances in between. It's even more, Colin, because they had they had to go via Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I'd like to, I'd like them to get these tours out of the way. Maybe you know, spend a couple of weeks there, then come back and play a couple of games here. Yeah, and, you know, get back into a normal. You know, play some of the. And so many fans say this, and particularly those of us of a certain age, where you know we used to. Uh, my, I was talking to my son last night, and uh, we were talking about going to places like Port Vale and Bradford and Rochdale for pre-seasons friendlies, and, and it was you know a good good fun day out, uh, a good workout for the team. Uh, it brought some money into the local clubs, um, you know, and it wasn't too far to travel. So it'd be nice if we did a couple of those games to um, you know just to get into the rhythm of the season. We, you know, back in the UK, we're back in a normal a normal time zone, normal kind of rhythms, and and just get a couple of games to sharpen up before we go to the Community Shield. One of the good things about playing the local games, you're training at the CFA, you're training with good conditions. Yeah. You've got all your staff there, all your facilities. If someone's injured, rather than relying on someone else's facilities, you've got everything you need. And just to say about the China, I I got some footage from um, um, someone who's doing some work for our channel, just uh, sending me some pictures and videos and he shot some stuff when he was in the ground and you had these what looked like hundreds of Chinese fans in the city end all wearing blue shirts everybody wears the kit you know you're not having people wearing bomber jackets or whatever everybody's wearing a blue city shirt so I mean the feeling is amongst fans that's what City want they want the new fans there's a feeling that the, the more when we look at monetizing the brand there's more money to be made from the new fans than the old fans. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with those points. And uh, you know, congratulations to Wolves. They made it. They got their yeah. their hands on a little, little trophy. Now, Wolves, um, obviously, two to three weeks uh, further on in their development, so we should have expected uh, a good performance from them. What a lot of people perhaps uh, don't know, or, or, or I'm just reminding them, is that they're in preparation for a UEFA Europa League um, second qualifying against a, a team from my country, uh, Crusaders FC. Um, they're in the um, in the in the first tier of the Northern Ireland Football League. Uh, as I've mentioned before in the pod, me and my dad are Larne supporters, and we just got promoted uh, this season. Crusaders are one of um, two or three very very good teams in that Northern Ireland First Division. So Wolves will have a will have a tough uh, uh, game there, but uh, they're they're obviously um, much uh, further on in their development than we are. So you know, congratulations to Wolves, and uh, it, it was it was almost gratifying actually to see those guys with the way they played last season holding up that little trophy and you know uh, well done to them I say but um, it does um, I, I guess with them um, with uh, a, a, a total of was it four penalties missed I, I, I wanted just to ask our first little question, um, question of the night and that is who really now it, now that Balotelli is gone and now that Yaya Turi is gone I, I just want to ask you guys who do you think should be City's regular penalty taker uh, we'll start off with Colin uh, well for me it's Kai Gundogan uh, and then Gabriel Jesus. Interesting. Give us your reasons. Uh, well, Gundogan's very solid from the penalty spot. Um, I, I don't think he's missed one for us, has he? Um, so, well, so he, well, he missed one in this uh, game. <laughs> and it's looking, looking at the <laughs> Aguero's a little bit. You know, Aguero's yeah. a little bit hit and miss. He's missed some crucial penalties. Sterling, I, I thought um, he, he had the right idea. So if you if you put it in that top co- 
corner, just under the bar. No keeper is ever going to get it. That's the way Alan but, Shearer but, used to do it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, of course, this one, he, he um, someone did say it was a tribute to the 50th anniversary <laughs> of the moon landing. Um, but it's or, been an or, issue, or, guys. Uh, that, that that penalty missed by Mares uh, against Liverpool last season, obviously, we can remember. Um, uh, I'm not exactly sure um, who should be the best. Some people, I, I, I think it was Lisa who was from the Man City, the other, the Man City show that the other one of the other podcasts she had been uh, on Twitter saying uh, it should have been Gundogan and taking that first uh, penalty and then of course Gundogan misses in the in the actual shootout I I, I, I don't really understand um, Sterling trying to perform the spectacular uh, it was always my sort of uh, understanding that the best way is to stick it low into the corner or uh, on either side you know just inside the um, the post where the goalkeeper can't get it but uh, yeah I think it was what do you not think Raheem was going for a bit of the spectacular there, huh? Well, I mean, that's Colin said. If, if you hit it in the top corner, no goalkeeper is going to save that. Um, so I, I can see why. As Colin says, why you do it personally, you've got to hit the target. I think that's the minimum you've got to do is hit that target. And for me, aiming at the top corner, it's like I feel like you've got two chances of missing. You got a chance of missing on height and knocking it wide. So I prefer to try to do two things: one, hit it very firmly into a corner, but low corner, or into the side netting, inside the side netting, and at the same time try to fool the keeper as well. So you've got two chances uh, of it going in, and you've got to get it on target I think it's, uh, it's it's criminal not to get the shot on target yeah exactly and, and also uh, it's just that uh, that point about putting it right it's if you know the the goalkeeper's wrong side and we remember Joe Hart with his problem on the uh, on the left I think it was I think your natural tendency of course is to be weaker on one on one side than the other if you've done your homework but I think Pep after the game interestingly and in, in response to a question pretty much admitted that they hadn't been practicing penalties uh, before that particular game, but uh, Ray, who 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 would be your? W- would you uh, elevate someone above Aguero to be our regular penalty? Some have su- su- suggested Kevin De Bruyne should be taking them. Um, I, I don't know. Kev- Kevin's a good shout. I think Kevin's a good shout. I, I, I mean, I don't think Aguero scores enough. It, actually, a few years ago, three years ago, Manchester Evening News said it should be Gundogan should be taking the penalties. I mean, to be honest, it's a bit of a joke. But I'd love Edison to take the penalties. I know we're not going to ever do that, um, but. He He's probably got one of the best, most accurate shots on him. I think, especially from that distance, we've seen his passes. We've seen what he can do. We can see, we've seen him hit the ball 70 yards, ping it right to someone's foot. I'm pretty sure that he can manage to hit the ball from 12 yards into the corner of a goal. But mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. I'm trying to think, I wouldn't want a defender. So you're looking at a midfielder or a striker. Raheem's not doing it. Ma- I can't say Mares after what he did against. I don't know. I I, I really don't know what what they're doing training. It might be that, as Colin said, Gundogan's the best choice. Um, but uh, definitely one of the, who, whoever it is should be really practicing pra- practicing these penalties uh, regularly during the, the the season practices. Yeah, m- just moving on. It was interesting because it was my first uh, real good look at our third kit. And what was a little bit weird about it actually is the way that the bottom half of the kit blends into the shorts. It almost gives you the impression. 
imagine that these guys are wearing long, long shorts, like from um, from from years gone past, because uh, the colours uh, blend in together. But uh, I found a funny comment. I think it was on the comments uh, list uh, at the Manchester Evening News. Um, I might have got that wrong, but um, someone described it as being, you know, really below Man- Manchester City and their reputation because he described it as as like a Formula One team running around the pitch in young girls' pajamas. Um, <laughs> what do you think about that, uh, Colin? Do, does that kit do it for you? I've always said that the kit actually, when you see pictures of it, 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 it looks probably worse than it does in real life. So I certainly felt that about the uh, away kit. I looked at the pictures of it and thought, oh my God, what is that? When I actually got to see it close up uh, and to hear the story behind it, as I said, that, that um, it really kind of, you, you really realised it, it was a great piece of work. And I didn't think it looked quite as bad as I um, feared in real life. So, I, you know, if, if I actually get to see it properly, you know, with my own eyes on, on the field, um, I may change my mind. But uh, it's um, different. It's will, you be, different. will you be adding that one to your collection, Ray? I, I haven't. I want to see it in real life first. Yeah. And that's the only, I think that's the only one of the kits, the official kits or the goalkeeper tops or the training tops that I haven't seen in real life. Once I've seen it in real life, I think then I'll make a decision. But my feeling is, I don't think so. It's not really, I think there's probably two or three of the training tops and the goalkeeper kits that I'd probably go for first before I went down the route of um, of, of that particular kit. Just a quick uh, question, uh, Ray. Uh, this would be your, because you're a shirt collector, this would be in your um, area of expertise. But I had a question um, from one of our listeners who, uh, a bit like myself, uh, tends to order these shirts from, from abroad. And they were asking this very interesting uh, question. Uh, when they, those kits are designed, you know that they're designed, they should be designed for fans, uh, but yeah. some people have the impression that they need to order a, a, like a two, one size or two size up because they're not athletes, you know, and they, 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 have <laughs> the, they have the impression that these kits were designed for players and we're basically just getting a replica of that. Uh, what's been your experience? Do you need to size up? Um you, what you if you're not a if you if you've not got the proportions of Charles Atlas if you don't if you're not an athlete you don't want to be getting these vapor shirts uh, I've done I've done that I've got vapor shirts and they are what the players wear you've now whether it's done for money or whether it's done uh, for other reasons um, and, to, and to to make them feel you know fit better for fans City have two shirts they have the stadium shirt. And they they have uh, you know they, they have the fan shirt and the player shirt and the player shirts off the top of my head about thirty quid extra. Yeah, in, um, other, in other words, somewhat a shirt that would be that would probably fit uh, a teenage boy basically. Yeah. Well, no, I've, I've bought I've bought you know they are very nice, mm-hmm. but you've got to have the right um, dimensions. You know, <laughs> that's right. And uh, sadly, you know, as us in the in, in our forties and fifties, most of us uh, don't. Um, but I I, no, I think it's probably. Would you size up? I'm tempted to size up just to make them, um, you know, have a little bit of extra space. Well, I went to um, we went to the sneak preview on the Friday night before the shop opened on a Monday, and so we got the chance to kind of look at them close up. And, and I tried one on, and unfortunately, they wouldn't let us take us away. Wouldn't <laughs> let us take them away that night. But I'm usually a medium, and, and the, the last one I got in a medium was very, very tight. Uh, now, I've lost quite a bit of weight recently, but I tried a medium of the awake kit on 
of the cheapo version, the 65 quid version. And it, I think I, I tried it on over a T-shirt, I think, and it seemed to be quite, uh, it seemed to fit reasonably well. So I wouldn't be, if, if I'm buying one, I, I wouldn't be sizing up. Mm-hmm. Well, well, guys, let's uh, return to the game. Ray, I've got an interesting question here. And that is um, what you will know is that uh, Danilo was uh, switched to centre-back for a large part of his uh, time on the pitch. And uh, a, a few people were saying he looked surprisingly comfortable there. I'm just wondering, um, is that the answer uh, to the question of uh, City's uh, fourth centre-back slot in high-profile well, games? All summer long, when, uh, you know, on my channel, when people, I, I've done videos, and I, every time I mention Danilo or anybody else who plays at left-back or centre-back, I mention Danilo. And I, I say, I firmly believe, I want, I've always said I want him to stay because as a, as a flexible utility player, he's probably one of the best we've got. Uh, I think he can play, he, and he has done, he's played right back, he's played left back, he can play defensive midfielder or centre back. And I think in each of those positions, he'll do a pretty decent job. Um, and one of the reasons I, I said about Delph not staying, because two of the positions Delph plays, I had him down as fourth or fifth choice for each of those positions. So he really had to go. I think Danilo is a stopgap. At least, um, if, if, if you, if, if Pep was to say, look, Dan, you know, Danilo, you're only going to play, you might play half a dozen games at centre back in a whole season and a few games at defensive midfielder and a few games at left back and a few games at right back and you'll end up with 25 games. I think that's a decent way. He might not like being, uh, being that flexible, but that gets you a place in the team. And, uh, you know, I think if, if, for argument's sake, if I'll go back to Delphi, if he wasn't flexible enough to play left back, he, he wouldn't be playing for Man City. Um, same with Zinchenko. And, you know, Zinchenko's found that being flexible has uh, you know, prolonged his uh, career at City. So, Danilo, I think he'll do a decent job. I'm not sure if it's going to be in the high profile games. I still want to see uh, John Stones in the port start the season. If those are, if we're not getting any new centre backs, those are two guys I want to see start the season. And everybody else fits in around them as well. Colin, there, there's quite a strong argument that City actually shouldn't look to sign anybody else because if we if we don't sign anyone else that gives uh, Pep the opportunity to keep um, a certain number of guys happy who otherwise wouldn't get too many runouts. So we're not only thinking about Danilo but we're thinking about keeping uh, Fernandinho involved as well and of course there's been a lot of talk about him as a as a makeshift uh, centre-back. If we didn't go forward with a plan to, to buy uh, an- another centre-back then this would surely give those two guys much more involvement and keep them happy and and less likely to to move on before we're ready to let them go yeah i mean i i, I absolutely agree with what ray said about danilo he's so flexible he can fill in anywhere across the the back defensive midfield pretty well um uh, you know and we're supposed to be talking about buying cancelo but is he as going to be as flexible as danilo could be i don't think so um i, I think he's just a fullback isn't he and um the, the, if he's being brought in perhaps as backup to men, uh, Walk. Walk, sorry, he's right back, isn't he? Yeah, so, um, I, I really. It seems silly because someone will have to go to make way for him. And Danilo was the obvious candidate. And it seems silly to get rid of a player who can play at left back and centre back in favour of a player who's going to be second choice at right back. So I think, yeah, I think it does. It does give people. Uh, you know, we're seeing things start to fall into place a little bit now, aren't we? Because um, Gundogan was getting upset because he wasn't getting the opportunities. Well. We, we, 
I think we said before, with it being David Silva's last season, you assume Gundogan's going to get far more opportunities. And I think uh, Otamendi as well, he was kicking up about lack of game time. I I was going to mention about Otamendi, the worry is if if we've been linked once again with Benucci, if we went and got a high-profile centre-back, then I think Otamendi would leave because he was already kicking off last season. And if we go go out and say get Benucci, um, why would Otamendi stay? Then we'd we'd end up getting Benucci but losing Otamendi, and I don't want to do that. Can, o- can Otamendi play on the right side of a centre-back uh, pairing, Ray? Because I'm not sure I've seen him um, on the right side. And, you know, Laporte has got left side of central defence nailed down. I don't think I've seen Otamendi. I may be wrong on the other side of him or on the other we side. Must have, we must have played Otamendi and Laporte together at some point. Must have. I, I, look, if, I think if you're good enough, you can. You might not play as well, but it just depends on the games you're playing. I think you know who your opposition now, another issue to come out of the game, guys, was about Angelino, and um, I was very interested uh, to watch uh, on YouTube uh, Esteemed Company's uh, little video about his uh, review of the game, and he said something about uh, Angelino. He made one of those predictions that uh, unfortunately falls falls a bit flat, and he was saying, well, you know, Angelino can't be that bad. He, he was he had a bit of a stinker in the first game, and, um, and Stephen said that he was absolutely sure that uh, it would wouldn't happen twice. Um, I think it did. It did happen twice, Colin, because he um, he had another very dodgy cameo, didn't he? Uh, yeah, um, it wasn't impressive. But I'm not going to judge anyone. I'm certainly not going to judge anyone in pre-season, and I'm not going to judge any player playing his first season under Pep too harshly either, because it's a difficult. I think again, we've said this before. Uh, Pep is a dif- it's a difficult manager to get used to, not on a personal level, but he demands so much more from his players than the most other managers do and um, uh, I think that um, Angelino he's used to the well he's not used to playing under Pep but um, uh, we just have to give him a chance um, and say I'm not going to never going to judge any player in their their first season anyway and not in their first season under Pep because um, by all accounts, it, it, it's hard to get Pep's system. You need, you do need a season to kind of um, fall into that. So I'm not, yeah, he may have had two not particularly exciting games, but I'm not too worried about that. Ray, of course, uh, the, the people coming to the d- defence of uh, Angelino remind us about uh, Zinchenko and how that he wasn't, uh, wasn't exactly yep. very good when he started off. But uh, the counter-argument too, the counter-argument is that uh, that was to be expected of Zinchenko because he was a converted central midfielder. Yeah. Uh, but Angelino, you know, this is his position. Um, but um, a lot of people think that it's 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 to, it's nerves by Angelino because judging from his performances uh, in the Dutch league, he is a very good passer of the ball. He had a very very impressive record of assists, and th- th- this was just very uncharacteristic. How did you feel about it? <laughs> about Angelino, he played two seasons in Holland. The first season was with NSC Breda. The second one was PSV. Uh, once we'd sold him and Angelino look it's one of those he's new he's new to the team yeah he's He's not really been at City for, what, four years? He's new. He's got to get used to everything. And I, I, I've said he'll, I believe he'll get better the same way Zinchenko got better once he gets more used to the position playing with City. It's one thing he's already got the experience, but he's got the experience in uh, uh, at other clubs. And we do things differently at City. So I think once he's playing with the full first team, he'll be under less pressure defensively. And he's been bought, I think, primarily for his attributes going forward. 
forward. And I remember in the first game against West Ham, um, once he'd, he'd made those mistakes in the first half defensively, giving away the penalty and should have given another. But when Pep spoke to him at, during the water break, it felt, it seemed like he was talking about what uh, Angelina would do in an attacking sense. He didn't focus on the mistakes and the defensive problems he had. He was focusing on the attacking, uh, focusing on the attacking stuff. So, I think given time, once we get back to having 70% of the ball, Angelino's defensive current, what seems like frailties, will be quickly ironed out and we will focus more on him going forward. But for me, he's not going to be first choice this season, um, especially with Ben Mendy being injured at least for a few more weeks. I think the first choice is definitely going to be Zinchenko. That'll give Angelino more time in training to iron out some of these problems. Mm-hmm. Now, Colin, you touched on another player uh, just at the top of the pod there in uh, Leroy Sané and I think in this particular game um, I, I was able to see maybe for really for the first time why Leroy irritates uh, Pep and uh, the, the, the the explanation goes like this that as the uh, left winger in Pep's system he should be making runs in behind whether or not he feels that he's going to get on the ball and Pep wants to see him making those runs in behind but it seems to be that Leroy takes a view of things and he he decides on the likelihood of his reaching some of these passes and very often will make the decision that he isn't so he doesn't try and then sometimes you see Pep get in a flap is that how that you see it and is that why that uh, Pep benches Leroy so often uh, yeah, I guess it is I mean Leroy's such an exciting player when he's kind of heads in the right place but uh, I think it's possibly an attitude problem there were, there were at least I think three incidents um, in Saturday's game where I think Bernard had the ball in the David Silva type position so um, what I call the inside inside left position what impressed me particularly in the first half on Saturday uh, generally was the way we use the vertical lines so it's not just passing across we're using those straight lines down the pitch incredibly well Bernabe was doing that uh, and Leroy wasn't running onto the onto the ball now to a certain degree I think one or two of the passes were a little bit too ambitious perhaps he had a little too much weight perhaps they were a little bit too strong straight but yeah you know and again it's a case of Leroy not being used to the player who's playing in the ball I think we've seen we saw last season uh, when David Silva was in that inside left position um, there was a great chemistry between him and, and Leroy Sane uh, and, and Silva knew when to release the ball where to release it to and, and Sane knew where it was going and when it was going and, and I think um it, it, it may have been a case of that. It may have been Leroy just not having his head in the right place. And, uh, you know, you, you hear Pat talk about jet lag. And, you know, maybe it was a case that Leroy just wasn't in the in the zone, as it were. But, you know, there were a couple of occasions when he was on the ball and looked great. And then, then he'd just run into a brick ball and give up the ball far too easily. And, um, uh, you know, again, it's it's up to him, isn't it? Pep can only do so much. It's up to him. And you compare and contrast that to someone like Zinchenko, who probably doesn't have doesn't have the natural ability of Sane, but he's got his head together and he's worked at it and he's taken on board everything that Pep has told him and, and he's putting it into action. Um, and, and you know, and that shows he can't. This pretty similar age to Leroy, and, and that shows his maturity uh, and his desire. And, and Leroy, there always has been this little bit of a doubt of does he have enough? Does he have that extra five percent, ten percent that's going to turn him from a very good potentially a very good player into uh, you know 
you look at Ronaldo at 34, he's still doing the business because his mentality is absolutely spot on. He's so focused. He's always wanting to be better. You, you hear things about Leroy changing his agent because he wants to make more of his brand and you're thinking, ah, I'm not sure this guy's got 100% of his mind on football. I hope he does because he's got an insane amount of talent um, and such a key player for us. But um, you know, you've got to have that. It's not enough to be good. You've got to have that mentality, that extra 10% that makes you a champion. Question for Ray, and uh, this is a question that came into the pod from uh, one of our listeners. Uh, Ray, we all laughed, uh, well, well, you did if you, if you heard it, by Antonio Conte talking about uh, Lukaku and whether Inter Milan were going to buy him. And he, uh, he made these really, really funny statements where he would begin the statement by saying that uh, this is a player for Manchester United and we have to respect him, and then went on to talk about how he would improve Inter Milan's team. Now, with uh, all of the players of Bayern Munich talking about Leroy, the question runs like this. At what point does this become illegal or does it ever become illegal? Now, we all know about tapping up and that would be, as I understand it, you know, meeting the, the player and having discussions with the player without the permission of the parent club. But is there no law against the the kind of tactics that uh, that Bayern have been using and, and, and how Real Madrid and, and particularly Madrid go about uh, trying to set someone up for a future transfer? Uh, to be honest, I don't know if, the, if there is or there isn't. I would suspect the fact that they keep doing it, that there isn't or that if there is, they don't care. It, it's become a bit vulgar for me now because it's just been going on for so long. So many different people have come out and, and said something. Lewandowski. I mean, I, I can go through about half a dozen Bayern Munich players. You've got Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. Tony Cruz. You've got Tony Cruz. There's, there's loads. Goretz. There's, I, I've got, I made a list of about five of them. You've got that convicted fraudster uh, Uli Hoeneß, um, you know, I mean, this is the kind of club by Munich are, okay? Uli Hoeneß was, was he the president? And he gets yeah. banged up for three, three and a half years. He saves half the time. Convicted tax evasion. Was it tax, was it tax evasion or yeah. avoidance? Like that, yeah. Yeah. But he's basically a convicted criminal, done time in a slammer. He comes out and Bayern Munich welcome him back with open arms. Be president again as if nothing ever happened. So uh, that's what you're up against. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm hopeful. I, I said on a, on a stream tonight, I said, I'm hopeful that this is a bit like the story, story of the three little pigs. Never thought I'd be talking about the three little pigs tonight. And that Bayern are going to huff. They're going to puff, but they won't blow our house down. And Leroy, I hope that's it. You're just letting them uh, let off hot air, knowing full well that Leroy's going to stay. Leroy knows he's going to stay. And then behind the scenes, they're just having a good old laugh at Bayern Munich, um, embarrassing themselves in public, uh, desperate to get this player. And I'm really, really keen for him to stay so that we can show uh, Bayern Munich the proverbial two fingers once uh, um, transfer window closes, the European transfer window closes, and Leroy's our player. And I, I really, this is probably one of those that I'm, dare I say, desperate for Leroy to stay and be a huge success so we can laugh at Bayern Munich. You know, I'm, I'm not normally, you know, like that um, with other uh, with other clubs and fans, but it's just got to the point that I'm, I'm sick and tired of it. It's just been going on for so long and it's just so consistent uh, and so below the belt. Um, you know, they, they, they can do this in Germany and I think this is why they, they 
they, they think they can strut their stuff against us in the Premier League just because he's a German player. They can do it against Dortmund and most of the clubs in, in the Bundesliga who bow down. I mean, you even had the, the, the chairman of Dortmund saying it'd be a good idea. Uh, Hans Joachim, um, who said it'd, it'd, yeah, it'd be great if for, for the Bundesliga if Bayern got Leroy. What are you talking about, mate? Your team just bottled the your best chance in was it eight years to win the Bundesliga. You absolutely threw it away. And now you're advocating that the the team that have pipped you to the post again get even stronger and you say it's good for the Bundesliga. No, what's good for the Bundesliga would be if Borussia Dortmund and somebody else beat Bayern Munich to the title so somebody else after eight years would get the title, not let, make them stronger. So you, it just seems a, a concerted effort from not just, as I said, Bayern Munich players, the board, Bundesliga, you know, other chairman. It, it's crazy. And I, I just hope I really do hope that Leroy stays and he becomes that top five player in the world that I think he's got the potential to be and you know and and we can just laugh at Bayern Munich. Colin uh, what is your understanding of, of that situation Do, does it reach a point where they're breaking uh, rules or laws by by doing this kind of thing? Doesn't seem to matter these days does it? I mean it just needs, seems to be no control over it and maybe that's partly social media and the uh, ubiquity of the, the media and the way the media models has changed that they're all about clickbait these days so uh, I don't think there's any doubt that in any kind of literal sense of the word Bayern Munich have been tapping Leroy up Um, but but it's always gone on hasn't it you know players would get together Um, I remember Tony Adams telling the story of um, going to play for England and uh, Rio Ferdinand whoever it was say you know tapping him up about going to the United and to the point where he went in to see Arsenal when he got back and they offered him a big pay rise it's always gone on it always will go on but, but Bayern have been so public in their in their kind of come and come to us, please to to Leroy. I, I really think it is time that um, UEFA said something, even if it's not to Bayern Munich, to make it clear that it's not acceptable to make comments in uh, public because you know managers get fined for talking about referees, don't they? Even in a benign way, I'm not criticising the referee, but it didn't Pep get told off for saying I hope the referee's fair or something? And um, you know, so, so so if managers are getting told off for that, then they should be getting told off for saying, oh, we'd love Leroy at um, Bayern Munich and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it seems to count for much these days, but it should do. Um, now, we all know they're going to say, as we say, we're going to all, all know they're going to be in backdoor ways of doing it. But when it gets to, um, you know, club presidents, managers making public statements, then that, that to me, crosses the, crosses the line. Okay, guys, I've uh, just covered all of the things that I had on my little piece of paper, but I just wondered if there were any other issues that had either um, amused you or, or, or piqued your interest or, or irritated you uh, as you've uh, surveyed uh, the news this week. Uh, anything uh, that you'd like to um, to talk about, guys? Well, we, we've seen um, another excuse from Herr Klopp, haven't we? Oh, <laughs> my, God. Oh my goodness. The quote is, it is difficult when the ball isn't rolling. Now, this is a new one. Added to the length of the grass added to the wind this guy this, wind, guy, yeah. this guy is 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 well and truly into the cult now he's indoctrinated into the cult well and truly isn't he Colin he's nothing if not creative <laughs> I mean I hope when he retires from management he writes a series of thrillers because some of his plot lines will be amazing because he has a great imagination <laughs> Ray we also saw Dortmund uh, we, we saw Dortmund uh, beating Liverpool of course they'll have their uh, reasons and excuses for that 
that. Um, but uh, it was quite interesting just looking across the the newspapers. United beating Inter one nil in a friendly, and there were these massive splashes, particularly on the Daily Mail. I, I know I shouldn't really look at that, but I mean the huge big banner picture and headline was about Mason Greenwood and this unbelievable goal that he had scored, and and and, and how it, it it's starting again, isn't it? it it's starting yeah. again. United are back. Ole's at the wheel. I mean, oh my goodness, it's it's a bit frustrating, isn't it? Well, we know it's all clickbait. I think was it was it Stu Brennan said on the Manchester Evening News that if you put a story out about City, it gets a certain bit of response. If you put a story about United, it's about a hundred times as much. And other journalists have said the same. That's why they do so many stories and articles about United and Liverpool because they simply dwarf all of the clubs. So it's another, you know, it's a guy you've never heard of, most of us, and it's a guy you'll probably never hear of again, I suspect. Um, and it's just that it's just for the, you know, those United uh, dummies who want to think that this is the second coming of, um, was that Makeda? What happened to him? You know, every <laughs> every kid that, that yeah. you know, is it's the second coming of uh, George Best or Ronaldo or somebody. And most of them, even the good ones like Rashford, he, he seems to be falling by the wayside now. So, nah, it's, it's nothing nothing to worry about, Mike. Just uh, looking for you, uh, just uh, finishing off, guys, and looking through a few of the headlines. Interesting uh, to see uh, Nicolas Pepe being linked with, uh, strongly linked with Manchester United, pushing ahead with 70 million bid for, for Pepe, and uh, with Liverpool and Arsenal and Everton all interested. That's quite funny. If Arsenal had 70 million, uh, you know, I would be very, very surprised. But um, they're also linking United heavily with that guy, Bruno Fernandes. Time's running out and the headlines keep uh, coming about just exactly uh, what's going to happen in the the last three or four weeks of the the transfer window. We've got Gareth Bale stuck in limbo. We've got um, uh, the whole saga about Neymar and uh, it's it's cut to the point now where there's just really Colin, there's just no point in reading this stuff, is there? No, there isn't. I mean, (laughs) but it's always been the same, hasn't it? I mean, um, um, Fernandes is following in the well-trodden path of um, Wesley Schneider to uh, Old Trafford, isn't he? It is indeed. It is indeed. <laughs> well, guys, I think uh, probably we should uh, finish it off here. We're not going to tax our listeners with another uh, two-part, two-hour edition, but that <laughs> that was good. And uh, Ray, just uh, just remind everybody what's up next for City. Well, we've got Kitchi on Wednesday. I think it's at one one. No, it's one o'clock. I think BST. Um, we've got Kitchi. Then we've got Yokohama, and it's only. It's two weeks away from the Community Shield against, um, you know, those perennial non-Premier League winners, Liverpool. Um, So that's only only two weeks away. Then we've got another, was it five days before the transfer window slams shut and uh, a couple more days. It never closes quietly, does it? It always slams shut. Slams shut. (laughs) That's what Sky, Sky, look, after 20 years of listening to Sky, I've now decided that it's slams shut. So, yeah, and then, then we've got that game against West Ham. So, you know, it's actually not that far. All, it's coming up to us quickly. It's not creeping on us, the Community Shield. I wonder if we'll sell our allocation. I doubt it. I wonder if local fans and anybody else out there wants to make fun of us not selling it. I think that'll happen. Should we care? Not really. Some people will, but to be honest... All the I'll, just, I'll say this: all the jibes that other fans and pundits throw at us about empty hard and uh, the financial doping and 
anything that they want to throw at us. It's, it's all because, you know, I said this during the Centurion season, they can't beat us on the pitch. So when you can't beat us on the pitch, you've got no arguments to what we're doing on the pitch. You have to find some solace. You have to find some refuge in anything that's going off the pitch that you can grasp. And that's all they're doing is grasping at these little bits and pieces. Um, so let them do that. Let's just enjoy, uh, you know, the, the community shield, which I don't think will be a friendly. It's normally, it is, it is like a pre-season friendly. I don't think this one will be. It will mean just a little bit more uh, to everybody. Um, and yeah, fingers crossed to... Uh, we start the season with that community shield doing what we'll do to Liverpool during the season and beat them. I wonder, uh, Colin, how many times we will see the phrases bragging rights and putting down a marker and psychological <laughs> advantage. But uh, one thing I just want to finish off with, guys, and it relates back to the to the game, of course. Uh, this is going to be genuinely uh, different. Kevin De Bruyne looks really, really seriously on fire. That was what came across very strongly in this game. Um, how excited are you, Colin, about us going forward into this new season? Uh, pretty much as strong, if not stronger than last season, but this time with Kevin De Bruyne fit and firing. Oh, well, he's such a crucial player, isn't he? I mean, um, you know, we talked about favourite players. I talk, well, I talked with um, uh, an ex-friend of Ray's um, the other day about who my favourite player was and Colin Bell, you know, I'm from the era... Acquaintance. 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 Uh, I'm from the era where Colin, Colin Bell was the king and um, I kind of compared him compared Bell to David Silva and, and it's hard you can't compare the two players because they're completely different players but if there's a player I'm looking at that I can compare to Colin Bell uh, and perhaps who could surpass him it's Kevin De Bruyne more so even than, got, than David Silva David Silva didn't he's a lovely player to watch but he's not got the sheer energy the drive that's the wrong word to you the, the energy the stamina of a Colin Bell who could who covered every blade of grass on the field every inch and he was a lethal finisher as well you know he was a 15 goal season man with Kevin you see that the player perhaps I most compared to Colin Bell was Yaya Torre in some ways even Yaya lacks something that Colin Bell had but as I say Kevin I think has got everything that Colin Bell has got he's got the stamina he's got the drive he's got the energy he's got the fierce in the tackle um, he scores goals for us and he's got a pass on him like yeah, I've never seen. Mm. So, um, yeah, a, a fit and firing Kevin De Bruyne. And he looks like he wants to make up for the kind of travails of last season he had, injuries. Uh, and yeah, how can we not look forward to that? Yeah, we'll give the last word to Ray. Ray, um, Kevin De Bruyne back, fit and firing, as as we've already said. And of course, the introduction of uh, VAR, two um, aspects that a lot of people think uh, should result in there being slightly more than just a, a one point difference between us and uh, our nearest challenger next season would you agree with that well it's one of those things Pep said as, as much himself with the, with Kevin De Bruyne coming back that we will be a stronger team. I think we'll be a much stronger team than last season. But that doesn't equate to that we're going to get 98 or 100 points. We might end up with 90 points, even though we're a much stronger team. You know, you just, you just don't know how it's going to pan out. VAR, the feeling on the street at the moment is that it's going to be beneficial to City and detrimental to Liverpool. Once again, you just don't know. I mean, ask uh, Mr. Lorenzi if the ball touched his arm or not. The officials can find a way around and 
anything to make that VAR work for them uh, the way they want. Uh, but I will I will say this. I, I mean, I've not I didn't say it at the end of last season, but Mr. Scudamore, yeah, Mr. Scudamore's hope that City didn't win back to backs didn't work. And you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to this season with Kevin. I hope it's going to be more than one point because, quite honestly, my nerves can't take another season like last season. I, I you know, if I had any hair left, it would be going even whiter. I can't take another season like last season. I do think that uh, perhaps Richard Scudamore would have been pleased with the way last season panned out, actually, yeah. because it was a phenomenally and compelling and, and nerve Well, for the fans of both clubs, it was a nerve-wracking race. I'm guessing for neutrals, it was a very compelling yeah. race that you know, went up to the last uh, game again. So I, I don't think the Premier League can complain, if, despite the fact we retained our title, about the level of intensity of competition. Well, Scudamore, I don't think he'll complain. I mean, it's his last season, wasn't it? He got his £5 million bonus so what does he yeah. care anymore United um, aren't going to be anywhere near the top anyway so you know it, it, it would take a, a ridiculous set of circumstances to get United anywhere in contention the Premier League needs a successful Manchester United yeah that's, sure. that, that's Henry Winter's line the league needs a successful Manchester United and of course everybody but their own fans are thinking why I, do, I, why I think, <laughs> I think we're showing it doesn't it doesn't you know there's us <laughs> Liverpool there's Spurs you know Chelsea See um, the never-ending soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Arsenal could go either way. You know, the, I, I think we've seen that the, the league doesn't need a successful Manchester United. Yeah. Well, I think we'll leave it there, guys. Um, obviously, uh, things are looking very, very positive even after that little uh, result in this game. But uh, we've got this uh, wonderful spine developing with um, Ederson, with uh, Laporte, with Rodri. Don't forget, and of course Kevin De Bruyne, and we've got our pack of wolves up front. So it's it's looking pretty good. We'll leave it there for now, guys, but we will be back with you again after the game against Kitchi. Definitely uh, an interesting name for a football team, but uh, we'll be back after that, uh, hopefully. So we'll leave it just by thanking our two guests and bidding you cheerio until the next game. So it's goodbye from Ray. See you then, Ray. Yeah, see you later in the week, uh, Michael. And it's goodbye from Colin Savage. Uh, yes, I'm looking forward to the next episode. And Ray and I can now... De- camp to our respective beds while you can well we'll we'll leave it there and we'll just say goodbye in the usual way by saying uh, guys enjoy the upcoming friendly games uh, uh, against uh, Kitchi and uh, uh, Yokohama FC Marinos we will be with you uh, hopefully after both of them and uh, until then have one on us and up the blues it's finished at Sunderland Manchester United have done all they can. That really goes enough for the three points. Manchester City is still alive here. Oh,